Okay, welcome back to another episode of Two Guys, One Topic. I'm Liam. And I'm Ollie. So, thanks for listening, everybody. We really appreciate it. The purpose of the podcast is that we all learn just a little bit about some new topics. Um, the idea was that if we could just learn enough about a whole bunch of things, we'd be able to hold a conversation with anyone about anything. Exactly. This can be a really useful skill to learn and it might help you in all different aspects of your day-to-day life. Maybe talking with your boss's boss, talking to a taxi driver, or maybe when you're taking somebody out on a date. In this podcast, we'll cover a wide range of topics and we will hopefully aim to introduce you to a new topic, book or concept that we think will be useful for you to know. Yeah, very true. And um, just so everybody knows, we are not experts in any of the subjects we cover. We've just given ourselves a week to research, read, watch videos, etc. about the topic. So we do all the hard work and then we share with you what we think is some of the most useful information for you to know. Definitely. I'm really looking forward to to today, Stace. Hopefully, if we can just get one other person to be able to know a little bit more knowledge about what we're talking about, then that'd be great. Yeah, man. Sounds good. So... Let's get started and share some knowledge, shall we? Yes. This week, we're going to be discussing a book titled 13 Things Mentally Strong People Don't Do. So, Liam, we have a book this week. We like to cover different things, topics, books or concepts. And this week, our book is The 13 Things Mentally Strong People Don't Do. Before each episode, we try and have some thoughts or just, you know, set set the episode up a little bit. Anything you'd like to say this week? Yeah, I, I mean, we said when we were planning what we were going to talk about that that we might do a book from time to time. And I said, and I was very clear on this, that, that we have to read the whole book to be able to talk about it and that, that people can believe what we're saying. So so we we actually sneakily knew about this this pod two weeks ago, didn't we? So we could get the book yeah. read. Um, and we're trying to pick books. They're not fiction books, but what was our thinking? Like some sort of self-help book, something that might might resonate with people. Yes. Um, and 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 we will take out snippets of it and maybe just share. Well, basically, same as we do with anything, share the the better parts of it or the, the things we thought, I guess, are more important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, did you have any thoughts about it before before we started? I I thought it was quite an interesting title. I'd heard about it from somewhere else. Um, I'm not not entirely sure. I knew it was that the book existed, um, and I just thought it was just quite an interesting thing for us to cover, given that it's obviously been a bit of a tough year all round for people with the pandemic and everything. And you yeah. know, just seeing how you can maybe improve your your mental strength is something that I think that everyone can learn from. Yeah, no, totally agree. Um, yeah, uh, I, I'd never heard of the book. I I don't think I would have ever picked the book up. Um, if we hadn't agreed to do this. So I thought I didn't know anything about it. But like you said, the topic is um, relevant. And yeah, it was, it was interesting to, to get into reading it. Good yeah, one. like you said. So, uh, let's, so what we'll do, do today then for everyone listening is there are 13 points that are throughout the book that the author Amy Morin has, um, has, has come up with. And what we'll do is we will pick out a handful each of what we think are the, the ones that resonate with us most and then let you know the ones just a quick summary of what the other chapters are i think before we jump into it liam do you just want to give a bit of a background about amy and just how she came to write this book yeah i mean i mean if she's listening or anybody wants to get her involved in this pod by the way please do so but what a life 
uh you know you, you, sometimes you think you've been dealt with that bad hand but uh so the story so she let me get this right her, her mum died mm-hmm. her mum died and then on the three-year anniversary of her mum dying her husband died yep. who was only 26 had a heart attack she then remarried and very shortly after that was it her father-in-law died that's right so so she had a, an awful lot to deal with and i think as part of that process got to writing this book exactly um, and just you know writing down things that helped her and that obviously might help others yeah exactly and the things that she'd observed as well because she's a, a psychologist isn't she oh so, yeah that's quite important yeah she's a psychologist so, and so she so she's got... observed these things and she said that for people who so avoiding these 13 things will create mental strength and that will allow you to deal with life's problems, be that big or small. And she also says that anybody can improve their mental strength by working at it. So, you know, like if in a physical way, you can improve your physical fitness, you also need to maintain your your mental fitness and strength there. And she says she gets into things about just being a bit more conscious about your feelings and your emotions that you're going through. And so as you go through this, through the book and some of the exercises that she has, um, you can pick out some of those things. I, I, I'm just going to say before we start, and we said we'd say this at the end, but this book, it, we're going to skim it almost. And if what we say sounds interesting, you really just get a copy of it and really read it in a little bit of depth because some of this stuff is like, is really good. Definitely. Um, Definitely. And, you know, you, you don't even think about it necessarily sometimes. And then you read something and you're like, oh, right. Yeah. And it's just so... You know, we might not do it quite as much justice, perhaps, as it, as it could be given if we had more time, I guess. So just want to say that, I guess, get that out of the way. Cool. Right. Let's let's jump in then. So number one is they don't waste time feeling sorry about themselves. Yeah. So this is all about self-pity, isn't it? That's right. Um, and just it, it preventing you dealing with other emotions, I guess. Um, it, it just gets in the way, doesn't it, I guess? Yeah, she's saying it gets in the way of any grief, sadness, or anger, and it can stall your process to move on from a situation rather than accepting what the situation is. And she said it's it's about perspectives of how you look at things. So she had a a story about in a car park, two cars are backed into each other, and there was one guy who got out and said, oh, why did this happen to me? This is the worst thing ever. And then the other guy got out who had smashed into cars and said, we're so fortunate that neither of us are really badly hurt. So it's the same accident that they were involved in, but it's all yeah. about the perception that you have. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not well, I guess, not pitying, not feeling pity for yourself. Um, she was saying that if you then get yourself into too much self-pity, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And then okay. if you're just feeling that you're sad all the time, then people around you will then start to be drawn down as well. And so it can become a self-fulfilling prophecy. So preventing you from dealing with other emotions that you might have. Great. Let's let's move on to number two. And, um, you know, if that's interesting, pick up the book, read chapter one. Chapter two, though, um, is all about, so mentally strong people don't give away their power is, is what, it, what it's called, isn't it? Don't give away your power, which is essentially letting other people control how you feel. Yeah, completely. And um, not letting other people's opinions of you or what they think of you control the way that you act or behave. Um, yeah, so it's like if you want to do something and somebody thinks otherwise, you then you then 
do the otherwise. Yeah, exactly. You, you do what you, you do what they're they're saying. You're, you're letting essentially you're letting them control you. Yeah. And, uh, so one of the stories that she had in this chapter was around Madonna, and when Madonna was early on in her career and she was trying to make it as an artist. She had gone to all different record labels and she had been told by one in particular that she was no good. If she'd listened to them and actually, you know, not tried any harder, then she would never have become Madonna and who she was today. So, yeah, not not letting other people's views change the way that what you do. um, And then also not giving away your power. And um, at the end of each chapter, actually, they do mention, I think it's every chapter, like just ways to fix it or ways that you can you can try and improve. So if that is something that particularly resonates with you, give it a read. And, you know, by the end of the chapter, it's, it gives you a little tip, doesn't it? And um, exactly. we wrote down here, you know, base, essentially with this one, just recognize the fact that you've got a choice in everything. Yes. And, and uh, you know, you don't have to, to let other people make that choice for you, I guess. Yep. And it's also saying about not holding grudges and just forgiveness reduces your stress. Yeah. Okay. Number three, they don't shy away from change. Yeah, there's a little quote, isn't there, at the start of every chapter as well? There's lots in this book. There's loads of, loads of cool little nuggets. Um, at the start of every chapter, there's a quote. Like a, it, It's normally by a, a famous person, I, w- I would guess. I've I got to be honest, I didn't know lots of who the people were. Um, but the quote here is, it's not that some have willpower and others don't. It's that some people are ready to change and others are not. Yeah. So. So, you know, you might have all the willpower in the world, but if you're not actually ready to change, you're not going to change. Yes. Um, One of our examples was around like New Year's Eve resolutions and why they fail. They say because people are doing it just based on a date. It's like an arbitrary date. They're not actually ready to make that change. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to quit smoking because it's New Year's Day, but you've got to be ready to quit smoking. Otherwise, it's just not going to work. Yes. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. She's also saying that the earlier you embrace change, the easier it is to deal with it. And the example of, you know, when is it easier to give up smoking? It's easier to give up after the first day than it is after trying to quit after 20 years. So it's just saying embrace change sooner, then it will be less painful for you rather than trying to stick with it. Yeah. 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 And one of the, um, one of the ways they, that she says at the end of, of this chapter, you know, how to, how to help yourself not shy away from change is to just take a list of pros and cons of what the change might be. And what you'll tend to find, I guess, is that there are lots more pros and there are cons when you actually think about it, that there's more pros and it's going to help you change, I guess. Sounds good. Number four, don't focus on things they can't control. I, I found this one particularly yeah, we- interesting for me. We were we were splitting them up, weren't we? I guess uh, beforehand, saying about which one we might want to do. And I agree. I, if you hadn't said you would mention, you know, go into a bit of depth about this one, I, I would have as well. We both think this one is pretty. Yeah, definitely. So they just yeah, just just to remind everyone, it's they don't focus on things they can't control. And she says that it feels nice and safe if you have everything under control but it can be actually turn out to be more problematic for you. And there are things where you just naturally can't control them, but it might take up some of your, your energy and brain power. I mean, if you see in the news a story about, you know, something bad happening on the other side of the world, yes, you can appreciate that it's happened, but you shouldn't really be, you know, letting it take all of your focus because you've got no control on it. So what Amy says is 
that you waste your time and energy by trying to prevent bad things from happening that you can't control. Okay. And you also waste energy wishing that other people would change because wishing doesn't help anything. And you believe an outcome of a situation is dependent on how much effort you put in. So if you think that you can influence something just by you putting a lot of effort in, then that's not yeah. always the case. Um, so yeah, it's, there's, a, there's a problem of trying to control everything. It can actually lead to an increased level of anxiety because you, you're trying to control everything and you can't. It wastes a lot of time and energy. It can end up affecting relationships that you have with other people. And then you can start blaming yourself and then get yourself into a bit of a, a downward spiral. And so Amy talks about in this chapter of just balancing that control. And I quite like this, uh, the way she put it here, where you said you can host a party, but you can't control if people are having a good time. And so, yeah. yeah. And there'll be people, there'll be people that will worry about the people having a good time. Yeah. You know, and, and you've probably seen, you've probably been at parties where the host is running around, like, you know, do you want another drink? Do you want some food? You know, do you like the song? Um, are you having a, like, it's, they can't really control that. Yeah, um, exactly. So the things they can control is putting on some decent music and some decent food and some decent booze. Yeah, yeah. control <laughs> the so things it, you can control. Yeah, exactly. And so it says, so focus on what you can control and try and influence people without controlling them. And so the way that you can influence people is listen to people, let them speak first before you speak, share your concerns that you have with somebody once don't keep on going on about it because then it becomes a negative thing and you won't then be able to influence their actions and try and focus on positives and improvement rather than just putting people down and wherever possible always try and delegate any power um, which is something that you you know learning to accept that you can't control everything amy says will feel like a real weight has been lifted on you yeah great um yeah i, I totally agree with with everything there Number five, they don't worry about pleasing everyone. I really like this one as well. I thought this was a great one. It's exactly, it's exactly what it says. You do, you know, mentally strong people don't worry about pleasing everyone, um, which is sort of similar to the one you just said. Um, they start. Well, she starts each chapter with a few little, um, little like bullet points, like things that you might act like if this were to affect you. Um, if you were to be this person. So if you were to worry about pleasing everybody, some things that you might feel, because you might read this chapter and go, ah, that's not me. But then some of the things she said was, for example, if, if you feel responsible for how others feel, you find it easier to agree than offer a different opinion. You go to great lengths to avoid conflict. You know, those sorts of things. Or, or you're one of those people who always agrees to everything. So you're, she used the term over-scheduled, over-scheduled. I don't know how you say that word, scheduled. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got loads on because you've just said yes to everything because you really want to just please everybody. Um, it's not great. And th the reason it happens is because more and more, particularly nowadays, I guess, people don't like confrontation or conflict. And they don't like the rejection that comes from you having a different opinion about things. So what people tend to do is they just want to please everybody and they just, they don't ever offer that, that different opinion um, or, or create any sort of conflict. Yeah. Um, and it, it's, it's just what she says. Um, it's just one of those things that will always hold you back. It's a waste of time trying to control others' feelings. You, one thing she talked about was how people who try and please everybody, eventually they become easily manipulated. 
Yes. Because, you know, people start to realize, are oh, they going to say yes to everything? They're always going to, you know, can you babysit for me? Can you do this for me? Can you pick this up from the shop? And they know you're going to say yes to it. And it's, it's, that's not good for your mental health, is it? Absolutely. Um, you know, she points out it's okay for others to feel disappointed or angry with you. You know, humans can deal with all kinds of emotions. We don't need to just make everybody happy. We've been, you know, we've evolved into these people that can deal with anger and disappointment. And there's nothing wrong with saying no to somebody. You, you just can't please everybody. And, you know, and then she finishes off by saying, when you stop worrying about pleasing everybody and focus on your own values, your self-confidence will soar. You will have more energy and time to yourself because you're not agreeing to do everything with everybody. Suddenly you find yourself with more time and it leads to less stress and much healthier relationships when, when you're being yourself. There's a, a bit in there where she talks about a book called The Top Five Regrets of Dying. And they, they had a nurse who basically spoke to people on their deathbeds. And one of the most common regrets is that they wish they'd been more authentic and true to themselves. I think nice. that's perfect. So number true. six. They don't fear taking calculated risks. So this is where, where if, if there's an opportunity in life, try and look at it that, yes, what is the, the way that I could do this? And try and rather than just jumping in full, you know, full two feet every time or saying no to everything, have a look at it. If you think it's a slight risk, it's pushing you slightly outside of your comfort zone, then it's something that's worth doing. So try and monitor it and try and just look at what's the downs, what minimize the downside. Uh, of anything that you're doing and then just try and embrace it and don't fear taking calculated risks. Yep. Number seven, yep. they don't dwell on the past. Yeah. I thought this one was great as well. The, the quote at the start of this one by Marianne Williamson is that we don't heal the past by dwelling there. We heal the past by living fully in the present, which I, that really like, you know, when you no, read something. That's nice. like, oh. Yeah. That's good. That. Yeah. You know, we don't dwell in the past. We, we heal it by being in the present. Yeah, what, what tends to happen is we often romanticize the past to escape our problems, um, is, what, is what Amy wrote. Um, you know, things like we think about previous loves from the past or things that have happened and we talk about them all the time and we're just basically living there and we're not living for the future. And the problem of obviously staying in the past is that it is impossible to do anything in the here and now and that it's impossible to prepare for the future. You, you can't make decisions properly. And, you know, it doesn't really solve anything sitting in the past. You, you thinking about the past isn't going to change what's already happened in the past. She says that a, a way to try and shift your thinking from thinking about the past and staying there is yeah. to schedule, schedule, is that word again, schedule a time to think about the past. So as you're starting to think, you go, actually, you know what, I'm going to think about this later. Mm -hmm. uh, I've already got it booked in. I'm going to do it on my walk home. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll think about it then. Um, or to give yourself something else to think about, which seems... I don't know, it almost seems obvious, like get a hobby, think about planning a vacation, just have something else on your mind. And then you can't think about what has previously been. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just, just that basically, you know, staying in the past isn't healthy. It, it, nothing gets, nothing changes by staying in the past. Um, and like you said, you can't, you're not in the here and now. So the here and now is, is worse than it could be, I guess. Yeah. No, um, that's good. Yeah. Number eight, number eight is uh, mentally strong people don't make the same mistakes over and over again. Exactly. And I think this one uh, makes sense. I mean, there's a famous quote by Einstein, isn't there, where it says, if you do the same thing over and over again and ex expect different results, then that's the definition of insanity. It's if you keep doing the same thing over and you don't change what you're doing, you'll just get the same mistakes over and over. So instead... Yep. 
instead you you can embrace those mistakes not view them as a negative but as an opportunity to improve yourself yeah learn learn from them essentially isn't it you know you make a mistake what what have you learned from that happening and and edit how you are moving forwards um and and mentally strong people can do that and and perhaps others cannot and they you know like exactly that just keep doing it and yeah embracing them so amy even says that the most effective people actually share their mistakes so they they let other people know that they've had mistakes and you know don't shy away from it yeah there's been a mistake but i've learned from it i've grown and i'll change what i'm doing slightly to improve it for the next time yeah, I try and encourage that in class. You know, I've said before I'm a teacher, but if you know if somebody makes a mistake, show everybody the mistake. Let, let's all le- let's all learn from what did Jimmy do on this fractions question. You know, and not to put them on the spot or anything, but just to bring it up and try and try and get everybody to learn from it at the same time. Um, number nine, I think you, you wanted to talk about this one, didn't you? Number nine is they don't resent other people's success. So mentally strong people do not resent other people's success. Yes. I, I, I think this is a, a really important one. And it, it starts off with a, another cool quote at the beginning. This time it's from Nelson Mandela. It says, resent is like drinking poison and thinking it will kill your enemies. So what yeah. it's saying there is by, by having you know, the, these feelings again, they don't help in any shape or form. So you can sort of understand if, if somebody has something that you want, then you can you know, be jealous or maybe envious of it. But resentment is where you're then taking it too far. And you're saying, I want what you have, but not for you to have it, which is, you know, begrudging of somebody else's success that, yeah. that they're having really. Um, and it's it's a bit of a, a tricky one as well in, in today's life and where you've got so much social media as well, where you've got you don't really know what's going on behind closed doors as such. You know, it's a bit of that Instagram life where people will be taking, you know, pictures of themselves, you know, it looks like they're having a brilliant time, you know, got watches and cars and holidays and stuff. You never know. They could be in loads of debt. You never actually know like how they're funding those pictures that they're putting up online. Um, And so, yeah, just maybe don't believe it as well. So rather than jump into being really resentful of what somebody else has. But when that, when there is genuine success, and I so Liam's a teacher, I I'm a, come from this from a, a business world, and I see where where people are successful in a business world, and then other people maybe might resent what it is that they've that they're seeing other people achieve. But you, yeah, what the the best way of looking at it is, yeah, congratulate them, say well done for what it is that they've what they've achieved, but then use those things as a way of motivation for yourselves. So don't don't focus on your perceived weakness or your, your grudge about them instead, you know, maybe go and ask them, how did they achieve it? And then try and understand what it was that they did and try and emulate it as well. So when you're happy, Amy says that when you're happy for other people, you will attract and not repel other successful people and celebrating other people's success usually results in relationships getting better with those people who are successful and then maybe there's some of there's some of their success will then rub off on yourself. Yep, if you rather than just being resentful of what somebody's achieved, you know, you need to look at yourself, maybe write down what your definition of success is. And then every day just do something small to try and work towards it. And then you can chase down your own dreams and not anybody else's. 
Nice. And number 10. Number 10. So number 10 is they don't give up on their first failure. Did you want to talk about this one? Yeah, I can grab this. So again, I, I think this is one of those ones that, that sounds obvious. Yeah, they don't give up on their first failure. And it, again, it depends how you look at a situation. And some people are motivated by failure and that makes them think, I'm going to do something better next time. And other yeah. people, they just decide to give up. But she points out that there are things to try and identify um, thoughts about yourself. And you can start by asking just, is the thought of failure unsettling to me? Do I worry about being perceived as a failure to others? Or do I believe that the most successful people in the world just had some natural talent and they haven't had to try and hard to succeed? She, so she, she, um, she actually mentions later, doesn't she, in one of the other chapters about how Twitter took eight years to get anywhere. And yeah. Amazon, Amazon wasn't profitable for seven years and that the Apple's first iPod took three years and four different versions to take off. Like there's lots of things um, like intertwine in this book. They all seem to sort of, they, they all linked to, because it's all to do with mental health. So it's all linked. Yeah. Um, that comes up a bit later, but you know, you know, it, it looks like it happened easily, but you know, no. they'd have failed boatloads of times before well, they got into That's that. exactly what she says. That she she says that virtually every person who's had any success in their life has had to face failure. And she tells the story about Thomas Edison, so one of the most prolific inventors that there ever was. He had over a thousand patents to his name, and his most successful one was the electric light bulb, which you've probably heard of the light bulb, but you probably haven't heard of Thomas Edison's electric pen or his ghost machine yeah right? maybe maybe they sounded maybe in a ghost machine sounded as crazy as a light bulb when he invented it but who knows but he obviously didn't give up he didn't shy away from failure he put in what she says is deliberate practice and grit and it made him get to where he was today i mean i'm sure we all know somebody who was at school who maybe wasn't as smart as everybody else but because of that grit and that deliberate practice, they're able to get better grades than what they probably naturally would have done. Yeah, very, very true. Number 11, though. So mentally strong people don't fear alone time. And this is about, you know, worrying. Uh, it's about people trying to make themselves busy all the time so that they're not on their own. Because when you're on your own and you've got your own thoughts, that's where issues happen yeah she says about solitude phobia so she says we never have time just to sit and think or stop and so we might if we have a spare minute we'll get our phone out and we'll start scrolling social media yeah. or we'll just flick on netflix and binge watch something we never actually allow ourselves to get into a position where we can sit down assess what's going on with us and maybe think about our goals and, and how almost, almost think about all of these things we're talking about like you, you know you don't have time or, or people are they don't want the time because they don't want to have to think about some issues they've got or some problems they might be facing um but actually sometimes it's it's good to have some alone time and actually put your phone down turn off the tv or whatever and and just have a little think about stuff and just get your brain in gear i guess Number 12 is that mentally strong people don't feel that the world owes them anything. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's, it's just that, uh, that whole thing about you need to, to work hard to get to, to where it is that you want to be. And you need to yeah, develop 
develop that that way of thinking, which is proving more tricky nowadays because there's a focus on helping children um, so much, you know, and just, you know, giving them a, a medal for just turning up at an event. So, you know, it's instilled in us at an early age that, you know, you, you just get given stuff because you should get given yeah. stuff. Whereas really yeah. you should be looking at things and thinking, no, I need to work for this. I need to mm-hmm. achieve it. And the world doesn't owe you anything. Yeah. And, and also, you know, that she says in the book as well, about um, people, like if, if you've had a really, I don't know, some, a really traumatic experience, right. Because that's happened to me, the world now owes me something, but actually everybody has had some sort of traumatic experience and, and everyone's in the same boat. You know, she says that she says, I I can't, I can't, I'll quote it wrong. Like you're no more special than anybody else or something along those lines because you've had hardship. So has everybody else, you know, what you think is bad. You don't know, like you were saying a bit earlier, actually, you don't know what other people are going through. Exactly. Are they up to their eyeballs in debt? Are they, you know, I don't know anything like that, I guess. And then finally Um, on to number 13, then they don't expect immediate results. This is a really good one. I really like this one. I thought this might have been my favorite one, actually, by the time I finished reading it. It's the problem we've got nowadays is the whole world, everything is immediate. Like you email, you, you, um, what does she say? You don't have to watch adverts on television. You just skip them and you just watch your next program. Everything's fast. Food is fast. You order stuff online. It turns up in five minutes from Amazon. Everybody expects everything like at the click of their fingers and it should just turn up. Unfortunately, Life is not necessarily like that (laughs) everywhere, is it? In your job and things like that. You know, the reality is completely different. And this is where actually she she mentioned about Twitter and Amazon and Apple, um, you know, their their results. And, you know, nowadays with social media, everything seems to be, oh, this has happened out of nowhere. You know, this, this person has exploded, this business has exploded from nowhere. That's not true at all. You know, it's just, it, it seems that way, but dig into it. This started 10 years ago. And she says one of the one of the most the best ways that you can not have this problem is to try and set realistic expectations. That's that's the number one thing. Be realistic about what you want. It's not going to happen in a week. You know, it's things like people go to the gym and in in a month they're not super slim. Yeah, and they can't see. They haven't really lost any weight, but their muscles are developing. You know, underneath their fat, I guess, or or, or something like that. You know, that it is working. You just can't see it working. Yes. So. So therefore, I'm going to quit. You know, hard work does pay off. It just, it just be realistic about it. It's not necessarily immediate. Yeah, exactly. And that covers them all. So that was all 13 things. <laughs> so yeah, quite, quite a lot crammed into to one of our pods there. In terms yeah. of this week, then, have you got a two guys one? I, I just got one really, away? really quick. Okay, really quickly. She mentions she has loads and loads of stories in this book about stuff. One of the ones I liked, um, and they're all relevant, is that Dyson, James Dyson, uh, we know made um, invented the Hoovers, or invented the Hoover, made a better Hoover. Took five years and 5,000 prototypes to make his vacuum cleaner better. But then he couldn't find a manufacturer for it because it was pretty good or he couldn't agree a deal with anybody so instead of that instead of being put off he went and built it built his own manufacturing plant then 14 years after he started making his vacuum cleaners he finally sold one of them 14 wow. years you know that yeah. that covers a lot of the things we've just talked about <laughs> yeah you've got a lots of those things going on and you know they're selling 10 billion pounds worth of products every year now so yes yeah they're, they're doing all right yeah. so for my two guys one topic takeaway this week this is more I guess, an inward looking takeaway for yourself. 
And so Amy is saying, my takeaway from the book is that Amy seems to be suggesting that you just need to be more conscious about what you're doing and why you're doing that. Yeah, and if absolutely. You, if you go through the book and you do the exercises and you maybe just take a little bit of a sit and think about how you how you act, then um, then you'll maybe get more out of it. It's mental strength is not just about having super positive thoughts, because if you're really optimistic, then things go the other way. Um, and so you'll then be unbalanced yeah. and you won't be rational or realistic in your thinking. So yeah, it's, it's just very much about being, being mindful and taking a look at yourself. I thought this book was great. I thought it was, it was a really good read. I thought, I thought I learned a lot of stuff. There's lots in there, you know, it, it, some of the chapters I, I read a couple times, you know, you go back and just pick up little nuggets. Yes. Uh, very interesting. If you've got an hour, not even an hour, I don't know what I was reading a chapter a night. How long did a chapter take to read five, 10 minutes, maybe max. Um, I thought it was really good. I think, yeah, go out and get, if anything we've said seems like something you want to know a bit more about, go and read the book. Um, Absolutely. I think, yeah, brilliant book, really easy to read. There are lots of stories for me. Maybe Amy could have cut a couple of stories out here and there, but I think she gets the, the message across really nicely and I'd highly recommend it for anybody to go and get a copy and see what they think about it. Right. That's the end of Two Guys, One Topic for the week then, I guess. So onwards, new topic next week. Let's get to learning it. We'll share some knowledge then. Hopefully everybody will be listening next week. Thank you very much. Thank you, everybody. Speak next week. Okay. Thanks for listening, everybody. If you've got any thoughts or comments about this week's pod, please let us know on Twitter or Instagram at Two Guys, One Topic got anything you might want us to talk about we are going to do eventually a listener's choice episode so feel free to hit us up with some topics and we will pick one out to do otherwise see you next week thank you very much